Today on Motley Fool Money, we're talking Russia, economic sanctions, the impact for investors, and what in the world SWIFT is. That and more coming up right now. I'm Chris Hill, joined by Motley Fool Senior Analyst Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing all right on yet another strange day in the market. And topic A, topic A, B, and C is Russia. Yeah. So that's what we're going to dig in today. Um, let's start with the economic sanctions. Um, it was not like Russia's economy was in great shape to begin with, but now both the EU and the US Treasury Department have essentially cut Russia off from its financial reserves. Um, yeah. And so there's no trading with Russia's central bank. Which is a big deal. Right. So there are a couple of things going on. One is that Russia's central bank has been cut off. But two, uh, Russian banks, the biggest banks, have been cut off from a messaging system uh, amongst banks called the SWIFT system. And we sitting here in our houses, you know, in the United States of America, may not recognize just how important the SWIFT system is to the movement of money around the globe. It is a very simple way in which uh, Russia's economy, in some ways, has been completely isolated. And it's it, it, there are long-term downsides, but I think that this was about as close to the financial nuclear option as you could get. I, like probably a lot of investors, was unfamiliar with the SWIFT system, uh, learned that uh, SWIFT stands for Society of Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications, which is a clever way of saying what you said, which is, this is a messaging system. This is yeah. banks' yeah. <laughs> way of interacting with one another. Um, but when you know, to your point, when you consider Russia essentially can't get paid for their goods as a result of this. It was one of those things where you know I, I was I appreciate the um, uh, the nuclear option metaphor because I read this stuff this morning and thought to myself, this seems bad. Yeah, how bad is it? And uh, there's been a lot of talk over the past week or so leading up to the invasion of Ukraine regarding what sanctions will be imposed, and maybe not all of them, but certainly some of the most damaging ones. Yeah, and I would say that uh, that that for people who were not familiar with SWIFT, uh, maybe one of the big outcomes right now for people who go and search is that for the first time in probably 15 years, if you type the word SWIFT in, the first 30 options aren't Taylor. Right. You know, it's not... People are people are getting up to speed very quickly on what Swift is, and so maybe a little bit of an explainer might help uh, you know, a little bit. So let's just say, Chris, you're a bank in the U.S. and I'm a bank in Japan, and so I you know I I message you and sa says, hey, um, I have a customer who wants to send your customer a uh, hundred bucks, and so I've already converted that customer's yen to dollars, but it's in my account. And so then you message back and say, okay, I've converted dollar to yen in my account. And so then we can do the switch whenever we want. But in terms of the customers, the transaction is done. And so it's a very simple messaging system. So it may sound 
like the type of thing that could be recreated, but it is one of those things where truly each node on the system makes it that much more valuable. You know, like, you know, people always talk about, oh yeah, sure, there are a lot of alternatives to Twitter, for example, but everybody's still on Twitter, right? There are plenty of alternatives to Swift, but everybody is on Swift, and that, you know, that, that center of gravity really, really matters. Before we get to implications for different industries, and then at some point I'd like to talk about stocks, it was not lost on me that Switzerland, famous yeah. for not taking sides, Switzerland came out and said, yeah, we're going to freeze Russian assets as well. Yeah. Is that big from a symbolic standpoint? Is that big from a financial impact standpoint? So both. Both. Yeah. Both. Both. Because Switzerland, Switzerland's neutrality is something that um, I, I would say bad actors, but actors around the globe have, have essentially been able to we weaponize for about, you know, for, for since prior to World War II. So the fact that they have come out and said, yes, we are we are also on the side of taking these steps means that one of the biggest uh, release valves for, for, for Russia no longer exists. They, they, they can't use Switzerland as a way to bypass sanctions uh, and restrictions from other countries. So we talked some about Russia and their banking system. Uh, there are some big banks here in the United States Citigroup getting some attention because it has, at least of a couple of months ago, somewhere in the neighborhood of $10 billion worth of exposure to Russia. Yeah. Uh, if you are a shareholder in any of the major U.S. banks, uh, are you worried right now? You know, it, it, it's not so much the banks. Here's the deal. Every financial tra transaction Every, you know, and transactions in commodities in a lot of ways are done on future contracts. So those, those transactions have already been put into place. And it's not so much the banks that have the exposure. And this is why locking up the Russian banks out of the SWIFT system is going to have negative impacts in places where we don't understand and know yet, because we have already had supply chain issues here in, you know, throughout the world uh, because of COVID because of a slowdown in, in a lot of different manufacturing areas. But the financial system kind of works the same way. It also can cause some real stoppages, not just on the banking side, but also on the supply side, because a lot of, a lot of companies are about to find out that they have substantially more exposure to Russia than they thought, even if it's not direct. If they've got a supplier who has exposure to Russia and suddenly the Russians can't can't pay their bills or the other way around. That's really going to cause some pain in a lot of places. So I know a lot of people are very much in favor of this, and I have to say I'm in favor of it as well. This is going to be scary for the global economy for as long as you know for as long as uh, it, it is in place, or until uh, companies have the capacity to adjust. I'm tempted to ask how scary, but uh, <laughs> I, I know the answer to that is. Um, we don't know. You and I were yeah. talking no. earlier today. Um, we talk a lot at The Motley Fool about being net buyers of stocks. Mm -hmm. There seem to be a lot of people 
in the financial community, on Twitter, in the financial media, who are, I don't want to say they're all doing this because they're not, but some mm. of them really seem to be in a big rush to draw firm conclusions. This is what this is going to mean for banking. This is what this is going to mean for U.S. banking, Russia. This is what this means for oil and gas, for the supply chain. And therefore, we're, dot, telling, dot, dot. Therefore, we're telling our clients, you know, that, um, but it, it just seems like, one, we still don't know a lot, mm -hmm. which leads to two, because this is still happening. This is yeah. still ongoing. This is, uh, you know, this is a real conflict that is happening in real time, and we're not close to a conclusion yet, as much as we would like to be. Chris, as you know, I am a skeptical optimist. You know, I like to believe that the best outcome is possible, but I also believe that uh, you know, I, I also believe that you need to be careful about drawing lines that the you know that the best outcome is the most likely. I think a lot of people who are drawing those conclusions are doing so either because they want to sound smart or because they professionally have to. And the great news about us and the great news about individual investors everywhere is that you don't have to draw conclusions yet. I mean, it, it bears remembering that the war in Ukraine, as we are recording, is something on the order of 72 hours old, which is not a very long time. A lot of things are going to happen. So if you are nervous, if you are afraid, even if you are feeling greedy because the, the market right now is not discounting a whole lot of happiness, take a week. Like what's what's a week? What what what's what's a week just to see what happens? And if everything goes great, maybe you're buying at slightly higher prices. But who cares? Just take a deep breath. The market, you know, the old cliche is that the market hates uncertainty. The market hates dislocation. Is really what is happening, and this is a dislocating time. The status quo that existed, I don't know, call it late January, has been broken. And we don't really know how everything is going to be put back together again. Again, I'm an optimist. I believe it will be put back together, and it will be put back together in some ways better than before. But it's okay to take a little bit of time to wait to see with your financial assets how things are going to shake out. But of course, you and I both understand the impulse. We appreciate oh, yeah. people looking at say, a Russian bank ETF shares being slashed and thinking, yeah. well, wait a minute, if this gets <laughs> resolved soon, doesn't that go back up? Yeah, and, it's, it, and, and I love the instinct. And, you know, uh, was it Nathan Rothschild, you know, said sell on the, you know, buy on the cannon and sell on the trumpets? Well, the cannon are going off now, so I get it. And I, and I get it, at least in some ways, because I'm trying to resist it myself. But I, you know, I, think, I think waiting a few days just to see how this dislocating period of time, how Humpty Dumpty is starting to be put back together again. I'm not saying you need to wait for certainty. I am saying that this is a period of time in which probably doing nothing is your best course of action. If you're someone who's watching all of this play out, are, are there areas of the market where you think, okay, this is this is going to have less impact 
on a likely basis than mm-hmm. others. You know, if you if you're someone like me, who's not inclined to look at big banks, not inclined to look at oil and gas companies for my investment dollars, and instead I'm looking at you know. I, I don't know, pick an industry, consumer goods, mm-hmm. uh, you know, s- streaming video. It's like, okay, is this really going to hurt Netflix? I, 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 I guess what I'm asking is, are there parts of the market where you think, okay, we don't know what's going to happen. There is the potential for unanticipated ripple effects because that's how history works. Yeah. But these are the parts of the market that seem like they're in better shape. Well, you poo-pooed one of the places that I was going to say. Uh, I mean, I think the oil and gas industry is an ideal place to uh, to look, simply because one of the biggest players has now been sidelined. Uh, and you know, I think something that's happened over the last couple of decades is that we've had a little bit of magical thinking about what the transition from petroleum-based energy products is going to be to renewables. And I think that we are now seeing that, yes, there is going to be a long-term transition, but that long-term transition doesn't mean that we shut it off now. I mean, Russia, Russia matters really as a market because it has oil. That is that is what Russia brings to the table, and so the fact that we're here talking about this should point it should point pretty clear, clearly to the fact that oil does in fact matter. Two more things, and then I'll let you go. Another thing you and I were talking about, um, since we're waving the caution flag here, uh, is that not only are we not going to know for a while how this all plays out. As a result of that, it seems like a time for all of us as investors to be even a little bit more careful than we usually are when it comes to the analysis that we are reading or watching or listening to. Yeah. Was there more? No. I. I, (laughs) You can take that in any direction you want, my friend. No. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I, I think that you've got to be careful in general whenever you hear people speaking in any analysis. And we talk about this a lot at The Motley Fool, that when you're investing in any company, somewhere close to 85% to 98% of what you're talking about is projecting into the future, is guessing that we really do have kind of an illusion of control. Now we can make good guesses about where the future is going. We can we can back great people, but there is still very much an illusion of control. And I think that right now it's a it's a pretty clear time for us to recognize that we we have even less control than we do normally and that normally really does boil down to not very much. So be really careful of people who say, this is going to happen, and then that is going to happen, and then these companies will benefit, or these markets will benefit, because that is, it's guesswork, and they're either fooling you or themselves. One of our colleagues texted me over the weekend and said, and I'm paraphrasing, a lot of American investors are looking up from their portfolios. Mm-hmm. Watching this, you know, and and demonstrating empathy and compassion for a country that most of us, admittedly, didn't know that much about. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those times when a lot of people are looking to help in any small way that they can. What advice do you have for them? 
So I worked for a number of years, worked is overstating it a little bit, but I, I, I was a director of an international aid charity for a number of years, uh, mainly based in Africa, but we still did get to observe a lot of how things happened on the backside once you contributed money. And I would be really, really careful right now uh, with your charitable money, because unfortunately, there is a cottage industry of entities that pop up that want to take advantage of the fact that you have feelings about giving. Some of them have no intention of actually deploying any of the money uh, to the need. Other ones do have the intention, but they're still kind of bad at it for a bunch of different reasons. One of the things that I would really recommend uh, people do is look at some of the honest brokers in charitable giving, the best of which is a, is a group called Charity Navigator, uh, which is in, in itself a charity. And they give a star rating to charities. They make their tax forms available to you. And really what you want to look for is on Charity Navigator would be a three or a four star rating, because in that case, you're looking at charities that that have most of the money that is coming in is actually making it out to what they call the programs out into the field. And Chris, you'll see, and it, it, it infuriates me sometimes because some of the most effective charities at raising money, 90 to 95% of the money that they raise goes back into fundraising. Almost none of it makes it out into the market. I mean, those are, those are extreme examples, but there are lots of examples of charities that are good at raising money, but not so great at deploying it where you really deserve your money to go when you're giving uh, to any cause. I love Charity Navigator. That's a, 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 a site that I find to be incredibly helpful um, yeah. In part because uh, of the way that they lay out the information. I mean, it's, it's, it's very yeah. easy to digest. Yeah, it's amazing. It's charitynavigator.org. Um, there are others. Give Well is one. The Life You Can Save is one. Give you great information. But Char Charity Navigator is probably the most comprehensive in terms of you go in and you can type a word. Let's Let's make up a word. Let's just say the word is Ukraine. And it will spell out for you the charities that are doing work in Ukraine and what their ratings are. And I would be, I mean, I, I always just honor people's willingness to give, but you want those dollars to go as far as humanly possible. I think we all do. All right. We'll keep watching all of this play out. Bill Mann, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Take care. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.